Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, 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 Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking Wally bird. They laugh in New York and they, they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing when the mouth of hell opens up and sucks. The whole world is in the power of the evil one, the devil. And the media that he uses to control the world is television. It's ants eating the ice cream cone in high definition. What is this? A center for ants? What? How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? (laughs) You know, it's funny because when I saw it, I was like, what? I... I'm trying to think, and even now, I'm still trying to think of what exactly the theme was, because the episode itself has an over, uh, overarching theme with, the, with people having to accept the realities of uh, where they are. Um, like, uh, we'll get obviously get into Jimmy and, and Kim and, uh, and uh, Nacho to the all the all the characters have to kind of accept the realities that they're but the ants thing i don't know i don't really know what did you think oh i thought you were about to make some grand connection <laughs> here explaining the ants as a theme for the episode no i actually the ant part i was just still, i was still kind of like that's the only thing of the episode that i felt like it, it was visually interesting but um uh. but what you call it otherwise i was like yeah <laughs> sure well there's consumption for one because by the time he gets back that thing was gone (laughs) right well how many were there there was like a million yeah they all came to get it like the the radar went up when when then the opportunity is there i mean you know it's it's I think it has to be figured out over the course of the season. I think there was the symbolism that was relevant to the episode in as much as 
when an opportunity presents itself, especially for somebody like Saul, he's not going to be able to say no. Where you have Kim, on the other hand, who's making ethical and moral decisions, right? right? What's the right thing to do here? And that's her whole quandary in the episode is right versus wrong, right? And yeah. even if the law is right, that doesn't make it morally or ethically right. True. So in Saul's case, <laughs> it seems to be what's the opportunity Let's not worry about what's right and what's wrong, because the law can tell you it's right, even if it's wrong. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny about that? When you, when you talk about Saul, it's like he gets in there, and you know that he has this, hesi- this almost this hesitation because he realizes this is a little bit more complicated than the normal run-of-the-mill uh, grand theft auto or petty larceny yes. type of crime. Yes, but so he wants to get he want, he wants to stay away. But yes, but like that's, Lalo, that's uh, not all not. though. That's not really why though. The why is his own personal experience with Nacho. Right. Remember. Right. And right. He knows the violence that can be unleashed on a person by these people. And that's why he's afraid. Yeah. And I thought Nacho summed it up perfectly. Like uh, once uh, Lalo <laughs> yes. got in his car and was racing around and yeah. he goes, when you're in, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cliche, but it's just too true. It's just too, to the point. There's yeah. no other way to put it. The song from the cold open I have to say this just because it's unpronounceable. It's Jan Zagrat Use, a 1982 Swiss yodeling song by Yodeler Club Barg Bluemli Schatdorf. You know, that old group. I don't even recall the music, to be honest with you. I was really trying to figure out. It's a banger. Same Zeus. Same Zeus. How they pulled off the filming. Of the ants. So it turns out that they did use real ants. There was an ant wrangler on set. There's some great behind the scenes stuff you can look up on Twitter. Because, like, I'm gone. Is that ant going to get stuck? (laughs) 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 Is he going to get stuck in the ice cream? He's going to drown in the (laughs) ice cream soup. (laughs) So we'll start with the Jimmy Lalo Nacho. Plotline: Jimmy's in the back of the lowrider. He's eyeing the gun between the seats. He sees that the door locks have been removed, and he thinks he's right. in trouble. Lalo is whistling and singing while he works on a car. He's replacing the carburetor, as we'll find out later. And then Lalo references Tuco. You know, Tuco told me about you. You're the guy with a mouth. Yeah. Those guys at the house. What'd they call her? Biznatch. Biznatch, yeah. Right. You know the Tuco I know? He would have skinned them alive and let the buzzards eat their eyeballs. But there you were. You go blah, blah, blah. And they walk out of there. I mean, it's amazing, really. They wheeled out, actually. (laughs) 
So, Ignacio and I, we got something you can do for us. Really? Yeah, we got a legal problem. <laughs> a, le a legal problem? All right, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so, just for a minute there, I thought I was going to be swallowing condoms filled with heroin. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe later. We have a guy sitting in MDC, picked up two days ago. Uh, picked up for what? Yeah, we'll get to that. We need our friend to tell the cops some things. Some important things. Important things, gotcha. We want him to say exactly what we tell him. No more, no less. But the cops can't know what's coming from us. So, we send you in there, you tell them how to do it, and they can't listen. Journey client confidentiality. Yeah, that. Uh, that's flattering. Uh, can I offer this? Listen, I guarantee there are five of these in MDC right now. You know, drop phones inside someone's prison wallet, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you talk directly to your guy. Cut out the middleman. It works better if you're in there with him. You're the guy for this. Lots of cars in this episode. Nacho's family is a family of people who work on cars. Yes. But now, we didn't know that Lalo. about Lalo, yeah. Not. I, I guess basically, I kind of think of Lalo as Paul Newman. He's just kind of this everyman. He's cooking. He's yeah. fixing cars. <laughs> he can do anything. He's drag racing and he loves the way the edge sounds. He's just a stud. He's the greatest. So menacing. Oh man, there was this uh there was this moment. Oh yeah. Later the later in the episode, the same when you're in your end scene. And he just goes to the way that he says to Jimmy, ah, you'll make time. Right. Like the way that he says it, it's like it's like you know that there's so much darkness behind that but, but that's what, he just says it in a very non-threatening way but that's the thing like cars this episode it began in a car it finished in a car with kim right. pulling up and you know completing the circle of like pulling up to their apartment complex or their condo complex whatever it is yeah. there was just cars everywhere in this episode and lots of driving and even being trapped in a car like you were just describing with Saul in the backseat looking at those lockless doors. <laughs> that was hilarious. It's not even child yeah. locked. They're just out. Right. They're just gone. So Lalo wants Saul to get information to Crazy 8. Jimmy freestyles his rate and comes up with $7,925. Lalo rounds it off to 8K and pays him out of pocket. Then we go to Nacho, who I had forgot is living the Lou Williams lifestyle. He's Shout chilling at the Lula. crib when his dad comes to visit. One of the girls is tweaking. She is taking apart a remote with scissors in order to clean it. Nacho's father is accusing him of trying to secretly buy out the shop, tells him to go to the police if he wants to get out, refuses to sell, and run. This is just reminding us of his personal stakes, because I... The story about the buyout, I couldn't remember if that's something we were familiar with from last season. I chalked it up to to not. Um, this is just them trying to bring us 
back to the importance of this father in his life and raise those stakes because they barely really showed him in the previous episode when the guy went into the restaurant. So this is a chance to remind us that he has a father and that Nacho has a really cool apartment. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was that and and I think it's just another reminder of Nacho's in a no-win situation and and every yeah, episode I yeah. feels like it just reminds you and just tells you that this is not going to end well for anybody involved with him and or his father. So it, you know it's just uh, uh it, it's kind of sad in a way because I like Nacho a lot. But um, you know, you could do, you could just see um with everything that he's he's done in these previous seasons to get involved is uh becoming an issue for sure. Well, you're right about that. I mean, Nacho is the most trapped of anybody in this show. It's also a nice parallel to the Kim and Jimmy situation. Nacho being Jimmy and his father being Kim. Mm, the issue right. of morality, doing the right thing and not running afoul of the law. And Jimmy and Nacho both seem determined to do it their way. Right. Well, down a road yeah. Where there's no return from. Unfortunately for Nacho though, he's put, he would choose otherwise at this point. If he could, there's no safe place bad. for Nacho. He's just a ticking clock. Unless he calls the vacuum cleaner. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think he knows about the disappear. <laughs> Maybe sell some of those paintings. All right. <laughs> Jimmy meets Crazy Eight in custody and explains the plan to him. Enter Hank and Gomez, DA's finest. They're cutting the line. They're chatting up Myrna. They're bantering about expired food and their wives. Hank calls Gomez and Landers. Gomez says he survived eating a can of expired vanilla frosting. The boys are back, AC. That was so fun. Um, it was great to see Hank back and Gomez, too. Um, they brought just a different energy um it, 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 you know it's funny you say it like a positive energy and, it, and not to say that that when you watch the show you don't think of positive or negative in any type of way but it was just like it kind of like lifted the show a little bit gave it a little spice so it was, it was definitely nice to see them back uh the scene the scene with the interrogation was just tremendous uh both of them and then when jimmy gets involved that was great too crazy eight's gonna give them dead drop locations for money Saul Goodman comes in hot, cutting them off. DEA, FBI, Department of Sanitation <laughs> compares all those agencies. He doesn't give a shit. As a last gasp, Saul throws out contingency. Hank wants Crazy Eight's information to lead to arrests. And Saul wants Crazy Eight to be protected and makes him a CI. Jake, was this Saul's plan the whole time? Did it go flawlessly or... Is he having to, to scratch here when they almost walk out? That's a great question. I really, you know, I mean, we weren't privy to any of the details, and I was wondering the very same thing. But I had to guess that this is all Lalo's plan, and Saul's just executing it. The, the, the only question about it is, right, is that there's this whole performative <laughs> aspect that Saul just happens to be the perfect lawyer for. <laughs> this is his, like... This is what he does. If he had a specialty, this would be it. So whether he Some helped good old Lalo embellish the plan, which is which would make sense. If we had seen the conversation in the garage of what he wanted to pull off, it's possible that Saul's like, nah, this is how you do it. Because the, you're right, because when they went back, 
to talk about it or when he informed Lalo about it, Lalo didn't seem to be expecting some of those things to have turned out the way they did. I think there was a level of Saul improvisation. improvisation. Yeah. But the gist of the plan is Lalo is sending the DEA, or he didn't think it would be the DEA. He thought it would be just the local police after Gus's money. Yes. So that part we know is fundamentally Lalo's plan, which seems incredibly reckless, by the way. (laughs) Right? Not great. I don't know. This is like... (laughs) Is it? Don Juan would not approve of this plan. Yeah, Lala doesn't give a fuck about Don Juan. Which, which makes us incredibly <laughs> reckless. Lala's test driving his new whip. Wait a second. We did not mention that Hank put the full read on Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman? Oh, yes, yeah, Saul, Saul Goodman. Are you serious, man? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets by Hank, man. <laughs> Lala's test driving his new whip. Jimmy brags about driving a Suzuki Esteem and explains the situation. Lalo laughs at Saul's desire to keep his clients alive. And when Saul says he's very busy, Lalo says, You'll make time. Nacho tells Jimmy, once you're in, you're in, and drops him off back at the ant-covered ice cream cone, which is completely destroyed. Nacho tells Gus about the day's events down at the power station or whatever always a great place to meet up at night and he learned and gus learns that lalo is targeting his dead drops titus wants to shut it down but as nacho explains if they do that lalo will know someone talked so here we are again gus is taking another huge loss he's been making costly air after costly air it's interesting that we're seeing gus at his most vulnerable, I think. Well, he's still spreading his wings, right? Getting everything off the ground. Because he's still a cog in the cartel machine. Right. So when we meet him in Breaking Bad, he is on the brink of yes, overthrowing that's right. the cartel. Yeah. Yes, yes. But he already has the secret lab operational. Right. And, and he has the wherewithal to make that move. Right. Okay. Right. He's got the infrastructure in place to make that move. It's interesting to see Gus on the losing end of these things, knowing that he will be triumphant at some point. So Lala was a good underboss for him. (laughs) Yeah, before he builds up. And then it's funny in retrospect when you think about it that eventually Gus just gets surprised by Hector at the end. (laughs) That's how it ends for him. Thinking of how long this war has gone on. They've done a great job of tacking more backstory onto an already incredible moment. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's so much hatred between the two two factions. This episode, Jimmy comes home to find Kim on the balcony having a beer. Kim is excited to have all pro bono clients the next day and no Mesa Verde work. Jimmy is insanely vague about his day, and Kim congratulates Saul. So things are still frosty here, I see. <laughs> oh, definitely. Things are not in a great place. And um, 
it does it does make me wonder if they're gonna speed this along or are they gonna keep this at the same pace uh that they have been doing which has been good so far i i really like how they've been they've uh, paced this out um but it, we still see that there's still that common kinship uh, between them especially at the end of the episode That's so right that was nice to see that there's still something yeah the way they bookend this yes. one with the two yeah. balcony scenes yes is a nice little containment of this narrative because remember the first time saul's driving up in the shit box parks the car walks up yeah. come back it's the sick audi pulling into the truck in the parking spot she walks up and they throw the beers right right and it's a suzuki esteem jake so all the tension there was all that tension <laughs> in the first scene right there's the he right. puts the bottle on the the edge and she's just she's uncomfortable with it right so she keeps looking at it finally she just grabs it super annoyed right but then we come back so there's that push and pull inside of her like you know the part that wants to be straight and then the part that likes to be drawn into that jimmy nether world kim's at court with one of her clients, she's interrupted by a call from Rich Schweikert, who steamrolls Kim and reroutes her to Tukumkari. You gotta give a little to get a little. Kim is really struggling. The pro bono work is where her heart is, and she doesn't have the ability to say no. So she's dispatched to confront a cranky homeowner named Acker in the middle of Mesa Verde's planned call center development. So Mr. Acker looked familiar to me. I couldn't figure out where I knew him from. Turns out he was Coach Whitey Durham on One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. How about that? Which is an extremely deep cut. <laughs> but he's got one of those faces. Yeah. Wow. He's been in a lot of stuff, man. Kim lays out the whole thing. He refuses to budge. Kim gets upset and shouts because of the futility of his situation. Mr. Acker's been holding out for seven months. Kim asks if he thinks he's special. Then, on the drive back, Kim is reviewing the status of her pro bono cases with Steph, who is competent, but doesn't go the extra mile the way that Kim does. She pulls over and decides to return to Mr. Acker, speaking of going the extra mile. She has looked up potential new homes for him to look at, takes a much more empathetic and kind approach. She even dusts off a tearjerker child poverty monologue. But Mr. Acker is a grumpy old douche, and he closes the door on her. Then she returns to the balcony. They share a cigarette, chuck bottles into the parking lot, and Jake, you said in the chat. Yeah, it was nice to see. It was nice to see it. Ray Seahorn, she's got a gun on her. She can throw it. She, she can throw. I thought for sure they would hit a car. The length on the bottle trajectory. Well, they were they were throwing to open space, clearly. They weren't trying to do any property damage, as it were. But you had to be relieved, right? I mean, it was nice to see an actor be able to do something physical. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe we should see a, a softball game scene, maybe. <laughs> they would oh, probably pull it off credibly. He agrees. Yeah, it probably would. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sounds like one of those toys you pull the string on and then the mechanical voice goes. 
Hey, you know it's funny. Your brother said that like six weeks ago, or I think like right? last, at the end of last year. He <laughs> said the exact same thing. <laughs> oh man! Uh, you know what I wanted to? I, I did want to ask. They showed they had that mic scene. I felt like that mic scene was so out of place and didn't even need to be there this week. Felt like we could we could have used the break. So Mike's in a bar getting smashed. The bartender tries to cut him off. Now, was this the bar that they all went to where he put the plans on the napkin? Okay, maybe, because he gives him his keys and insists that a postcard from the Sydney yes. Opera House get taken down. And I yes. couldn't, for the life of me, come up with the significance of the Sydney Opera House. Right. But maybe if they've been there before, there's a clue. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. Actually, I felt uncomfortable watching it. Well, the the only thing I could think of was it, it had to be connected to Werner Ziegler, right? That's possible. Like I said last week, Mike's at rock bottom. This is just Mike rock bottom. We've got Gus semi rock bottom. We've got Mike rock bottom. And on his long walk home, a group of five jacked hoods are randomly chilling in their front yard. They start following Mike. Yeah. One of them punches him, and Mike just destroys him, breaking his arm. Yeah. And we've got the caption, cartilage tears. Twice. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't Twice. see that. I didn't, do the, I didn't do the captions. Better Call Saul's got some great captions, because that's how I found out about the yodeling song. Cartilage tears. Cartilage tears. Nice. I was going to say he's going to break the arm. Like this was this looked like a scene where he was going full measure. Yeah, I also thought I also thought if you were those other dudes, wait a minute, there's five of you and one of him. Like what are we even instigating this? What the fuck? That I didn't understand either, but whatever. It's like 3 a.m. We've got five dudes hanging out in the front yard. <laughs> Nothing better to do but try to fight old men. I'm with AC. I didn't understand why we were having this in the episode to begin with. <laughs> I didn't understand. It felt so out of place in an episode where you get a lot of good stuff. Yeah. If you told me. At least have one of them yell 50% off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> If you added two and a half minutes of uh, Lalo instead of Mike in this episode, I'd be fine with it. Well, the other thing like, is he yeah, was yeah. hammered walking yeah. down. Yeah. Hammered. <laughs> Probably walking five miles at three in the morning. Yeah. And why? There's no cabs in Albuquerque? He's stubborn as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I know. Didn't want to stop drinking. Didn't want to leave. I need to know what's up with the Sydney Opera House hate. <laughs> that's the only good thing about this scene is dangling that for us yeah. to come back to later <laughs> yeah because he threw the card out it's not even like he gave the card and he flipped it over and we had a reveal no! get that fucking opera house out of my sight <laughs> take it down take it down <laughs> take it down <laughs> shut up dude oh man Oh, Mike. That guy did a great job of being annoyed, though, didn't he? I know, right? He he killed that scene. I'm like, I'm fucking annoyed. (laughs) I was. I was for him. (laughs) (laughs) This is a nightmare. What the fuck? Get your shit together, Mike, and come back in a week. I know. Should have been your contractual off episode. Basically. Just have him (laughs) 
come back, have him come back to Gus, and let's get back on the right track. Uh, uh, emotionally conflicted Mike is not my favorite Mike, that's for sure. No, and it's funny, it reminds me when we saw the scenes of him back in Philadelphia, you know, when he was mm-hmm. hammered and yeah. lamenting son's death and right. it took me right that back fine. remember that super drunken episode yeah but that was fine that was no, fine because there was a story behind it right i know it just it felt like a, a a weird throwback to that though yeah they just threw it in there it was just like it was there and then you never go back, mm-hmm. back and then you never see anything else uh, regarding it which was fine because we got so much other good stuff in this episode it was a good episode yeah Tell you, Hank and Gomez lifts it up. So Lalo's coming after Gus, full force. Jimmy's fully, fully in the world. He's still lying to Kim. Kim is just doing the right thing for absolutely no reward <laughs> over and over again. Grinding out being the, the moral righteousness of this world. And Mike's drunk as shit. Breaking dude's arm. Didn't you love that the guy basically said, uh, you'd do anything, wouldn't you? (laughs) You'd say anything. Well, that was an interesting line, actually, because he's expecting this law firm for this huge company, this bank, to come after him with all kinds of bullshit that he's unable to recognize genuine kindness. Yeah. So I can't really blame him for just stonewalling everything. Right. But Kim is actually doing it from the good in her heart. Right. Yeah. But well, it's kind of she a, yeah. already positioned herself as the enemy, right? Yes. So she, which she doesn't like doing, especially in a case like this. So she's having to reconcile because she's trying to have it both ways, right? She's trying to work the corporate law angle on the one hand and do the pro bono work on the other. And so, you know, she's having her own moral quandary, regardless of what she's trying to reconcile with what Jimmy's trying to do. You know, she's she's torn up internally as it is. Right. Yeah, this was definitely the point of the episode. Everybody's in a certain situation and this is why they're here. And it's kind of not really a way to get out of yeah and i was just working for this law firm is gonna have to uh, you know do stuff like this well that's the thing and i was i'm just from a story perspective i was just relieved that they didn't let her off the hook by having the guy go oh that's sweet of you you're a different kind of lawyer (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean he's just like he's like fuck you yeah i think they found a way to make both of them right yeah, they gave you the kind of like the real world uh, scenario of something like that. Whether it, this dude doesn't want to leave, clearly, even regardless of whether it's the law or not. And even with Kim giving that side story, he's like, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I love that how he turned that around on her. <laughs> even if she meant it, I, I really do right. like how he turned it around on her. Right. And we don't, we don't know what. Fair. We don't know whether she was telling the truth, Maze. That's true. You're assuming she was, but we don't know that to be true. What do you mean? Telling the truth about what? Uh, her her, uh, her poverty, poverty childhood? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you think she was... Uh, I mean, that's interesting. I, 
But this is the thing about her. I read her deciding to go back as uh-huh. trying to approach the Mesa Verde situation, the way she approaches her pro, her pro bono situations. Uh, it's but what you're saying is that it's possible that she went back and tried to slip in Jimmy, this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No more chicanery. Because here's the thing. Like, the point is to get it done, right? It's like, like the woman said when she walked away the first time. It does what she said to her, like, it doesn't matter, you it's over. Right? But she, yeah. but she knows it's not over. And her job is to finish it. So she could be trying a tactic that involves the truth, or just trying to come up with something that would appeal to this guy's sensibilities. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see if we go back to him since it's unresolved. Right. And what her next move is. To kind of shade that in. It's kind of the beauty of the world they've set up for us here. Is that she can play genuine, right? She's she's good at doing what Jimmy does. And so it's hard to know whether... I I wanted to believe it was a true story. But I did come away wondering if she was just winging it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a a great thing. It's just a yeah. great thing about the show. When you have actors playing characters who are acting. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah. 100%. She's, I mean, she's really good. And ants! <laughs> and those ants were killer. And those ants. <laughs> so many. He took down that ice cream. Although that ice cream also melted. <laughs> it had been there all day. <laughs> Yeah, how long do we think that was? Like, was that 24 hours? I mean, it was a long time. Because There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. He got <laughs> picked up. He did the court scene, right? I mean, he mean the uh, day, right? Yeah. scene. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. And then he went out to the, the dirt track. Now, wait a minute, <laughs> though. All the way back downtown. Because <laughs> he got picked up last episode, right? Yeah. Right, at the end of the last episode. And he'd already been cream. doing stuff that day. Yeah. Right. So the latest it was was lunchtime. Probably. Well, he's getting ice cream. It's afternoon. It's afternoon, right? So. Um, that's not, It's 24 hours. I think they pick him up. It's hot summer, though, right? He goes out, he meets with Lalo, they prep. Then the next morning, he goes to Crazy 8. The ice cream was there the next day at sunset. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. Just a couple of beans There's a George Foreman grill Down the back of your blue jeans They caught you at the checkout The blue lights blink Only one got a call Cause the others all stink Better call Saul Better call Saul 
your husband disappeared in a most convenient way. Now your troubles are gone, his insurance will surely pay. You get to the bank, but the cops say, whoa, who are you gonna die when they lock you down? Oh, Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. He'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You heard me, you better call Saul. Cause it's time to torch the stock But you gotta move quick Before you send your own hair Who knew there was a homeless guy Sleeping in there Better call Saul Better call Saul Better call Saul The FBI finds kids Trapped in your creepy van You stay real cool And tell them you're the ice cream man But all that crying Just gave you away Who you gonna call To skip a prison stay Saul, Saul You better call Saul To fight for your rights When your back's to the wall Stay to the man Better call Saul. You best call now, you hear?